Welcome to the season one of LikeX, our video podcast. We are making a show about the extended reality market. Throughout this season, we would turn on the low-key mode and talk with top-notch experts from the juggernauts and well-recognized leaders of their industries, Coca-Cola, Paramount Pictures, HP, Stanford, and Munich Universities, and many others. Take a seat, grab your beer, and enjoy. All, all these different people who worked in the field and, and you know, in, you know, whether it was at CES or at South by or Sundance, you know, um, kept going to see as much content as I possibly could. And then very soon into those 30 coffees, I got really clear that, okay, this is what I want to do next. And HP come up to, to, to this business. And I, uh, I was really uh, happy to join because of the love of technology. And then I've, I've met so fabulous people developing immersive experience. And I would say, the best and the most beautiful experience I've seen is one we've done in London with uh, the Marshmallow Laser Face. Commercial use, and we know that money drives this world. I'm very sorry, the co-working where I was working, uh, the internet was crashed, so I have to go to apartment. Uh, I'm, I'm in Lisbon now, so uh, it, it was not a very uh, easy, easy way to, to find way home. <laughs> Oh, welcome. Welcome to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here. And yeah, I think we try to do it very fruity and it would be, I think, low-key conversation about everything that is happening in uh, extended reality world. Yeah, and first question, yeah, please tell us more about your roles and what you're doing, what you're focusing right now in Hewlett-Packard. Sure. Thanks for inviting us on the podcast today. We're excited, excited to be here. My name is Joanna Popper. I'm the global head of VR go-to-market for HP. Pass it over to Cecile. Yeah, and thanks for inviting me. Sorry for my strange voice. Uh, I got uh, a cold. So I'm uh, leading VR business development for Europe, and I'm happy to join us. Yeah, and uh, yeah, if, if we are talking about your business, yeah, on what areas uh, you're focusing right now more on business hands or on consumer? Yeah, do, do how it's balanced and things of that. Sure. So we, you know, I'll, I'll just take take a step back, you know, to to talk a little bit about, you know, HP and why HP is in this business. Um, you know, most people are are very familiar with HP, but we're in our we're in our 80s. You know, we were we were founded in in, in 1939. It's the original founder story of you know, two founders in a garage creating technology for Walt Disney for the movie Fantasia. Um, you know, that's like the, the HP is credited with with, the, with being the birthplace and the founding of Silicon Valley as we know it today. And you know, so since then, there's been you know, lots of different waves of computing, and HP has always been at the you know, at the forefront and focusing on inventing and reinventing technology and the future. And so, you know, in the in the larger conversation of the, the future of computing, um, the, the metaverse, and where that's going, you know, HP has seen VR. You know, VR, AR, AI, edge compute, all is, is really important part of building that future. And so HP has has stood up in an incubator group that we are part of, um, you know, over the last of the last few, 
four or five years now focusing on building out the future of of, of computing with VR you know, as one of the key uh, pinnacles of that. And so within that, you know, HP has a long, long and strong history, of, of course, on both the, the commercial side as well as on the consumer side. And we, we at this point have products that meet both of those needs. So we have the HP Reverb G2 um, that's built in collaboration with Valve and Microsoft. And that that product has been a, a bit, has been very much uh, you know, very much at the forefront for both gamers as well as as well as or consumers as well as business businesses. Um, and then we have the HP Reverb G2 Omnicept Edition, which is really focused on on the business side, and that's that's targeted towards developers and enterprise. And I know we'll we'll talk a little bit more about those products in detail. Yeah, we think to to add uh, to Joanna's point, uh, clearly virtual reality started mainly in, in gaming, and and we see progressively. A transition to the business and it, it, it's growing year over year um, so for for now we are addressing both markets so we we still are addressing gamers interesting to have high immersive experience with our headset but we see our traditional business customer more and more deploying VR for training collaboration uh, creation and even selling and marketing activities. So um, the, the business part of VR is growing and expecting to become as big as, as game pretty soon. Okay, yeah, thank you for that. And yeah, if, if we are talking about future, except gaming, in which areas, maybe the industry, you think VR technologies uh, use more successfully these days and have more potential in common future? Um, application clearly training I would say is the uh, the first usage of VR, and it's coming from a simple reason. Uh, back to the way our brain is learning. Um, when you are doing something, you are learning much better than when you are reading, and it it's end up uh, when you are in VR, it's almost like doing something, and and it end up with a much higher retention rate. We have made some measurement, interesting measurement, of retention rate after one year. You you will remind remember seventy five percent of what you have done in VR versus probably five percent only uh, in the lecture. So that that's why training is the largest uh, application of VR. Okay, yeah, great. And sh should we expect expect a standalone helmet from HP? Oh, we, we can't ever talk about anything that we, we, we haven't announced. So whether whether it's something that we're working on or not, we, can, we can't mention anything that hasn't been announced yet. We're happy to talk in depth about all about the products that we have in our that we have in our portfolio and that are available available today. And yeah, if we try to prolong the topic of uh, future potential, what uh, do you think the most you know the biggest challenges, the biggest obstacle that uh, do not allow this industry to grow rapidly, yeah, more faster. Is it about hardware, or software, or affordable of devices? I think it's it's mainly software. V VR is um, an incubator technology today, so it's not as mature as. Uh, as a traditional PC. I mean, if you want to do an Excel file, uh, you just purchase a PC and that's it. <coughs> if you want to do a training in VR, <coughs> there is no um, standard uh, software application for a company to, to create their own training. So today, the, the VR ecosystem is 
um, build um, on multiple small companies that are creating um, um, immersive solution. And I think for our customer that the main uh, challenge is to find the right software partner and the, to build the entire solution. VR is a solution. So it's not only about the headset, it's all about uh, the headset plus the, 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 the solution, the software. Yeah, I would add to that. You know, we're still we're still pretty early in all of it. Um, in terms of you know, you know, each each generation, this is we've we've now released four different VR headsets. Um, each each one builds on the one before, takes lessons from the one prior, and the technology continues to to move forward as well. So, um, you know, we're really proud of, of of what we have in the market today, and you know what what's what we're continuing to work on. Um, and simultaneously, as Cecile said, we're working with a lot of different a lot of different um, content creator partners to continue to make the the, the content um, more accessible and as well as is easier to use and and, and can, you know continue to be uh, compelling. If I take the example of the first training um, uh, solution in VR that were done maybe two three or four years ago, it was a completely custom built-in solution, not scalable. So it, it was very nice things to showcase, but not um, not easy to duplicate. And we see more and more some of our software partners that are developing turnkey solution that customer can update themselves. So it's making it uh, turning from a service business to more software business. But and, and lot of evolution will come, as as mentioned, Joanna. We are at very early stage. Yeah, and uh, yeah. Let's get back to top back to topic. Yeah, we're talking about commercial use, and we know that money drives this world. And if your product doesn't generate enough revenue stream, yeah, it's deprioritized. And yeah, tell us about the commercial use potential for Hewlett Packard uh, technologies or other current VR technologies that we have. Yeah, what are these commercial ways? Well, okay, so we can talk about, we'll talk about our, what our products are. So we have the HP Reverb G2 um, that that started shipping about a year ago. And um, we, you know, we continue to iterate on it and improve it, which we're, which we're really proud of. As I mentioned earlier, it's a collaboration between Valve and Microsoft. And it takes, you know, the best of what each of these, you know, these three companies brings, brings to bear. So... Um, it has incredibly high resolution. It's 2160 by 2160 per eye, um, which is which is you know what the, the headset's been called the king of clarity um, because of that. Uh, the audio is really fantastic. It's it's um, you know the, that's done both the lenses as well as the audio are done in, in collaboration with with Valve, and so the audio is pretty similar to what you get at the, with the Valve Index. And then it also is is you know built in a way that's very ergonomic and very comfortable you know the way that it the way that it sits on your head, and um, in terms of compatibility, it you know you can you can add through a bridge through Windows Mixed Reality you can access all your everything you know on Steam so you know really easy, easy to use in that way, um, and it's you just continues to get prizes you know awards and prizes it got a CES award an IF award a, a Red Dot award. Um, and we, you know, we see the types of comments, the types of feedback we get, 
you know, from gamers, you know, that they play, say, Half-Life Alex on another headset, and then they play it on this headset, and because of the resolution and because of the, what the immersion that brings, it's like a whole new experience. They're seeing things for the first time that they never saw before, whether it's a great, like a, a blade of grass or something else. So that is really fun and exciting to see. Um, you know, we continue to make tweaks and improvements on the gasket, on the cable to make it more compatible with AMD systems, um, on, you know, just, just on uh, the, um, you know, so just, with, you know, something that we really stand behind and believe in. So we, you know, we continue to invest in, in that product. And so that's sort of on the, the gaming side, you know, just just seeing the people just um, as well as the PC, the the, the, sim, the racing sim and the the flight simulation. You know, the headset really is optimized for 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 those use cases as well, um, as well as games like Half-Life Alex and, and, and others. So that's on the gaming side. You know, we're working with a lot of location based entertainment venues, you know, from some of the really big, well-known ones like Zero Latency, like Dreamscape like um, Surreal and others, you know, we're, work, we're working with, um, you know, quite a few in Europe as well uh, on, the, on the headset side. Um, so that's on the location-based entertainment side. And then, you know, there's a lot, as Cecile mentioned, training, architecture, engineering, and construction, healthcare training, uh, or, or other healthcare uses. Um, they're all, you know, they're all using this headset too. So it's, it's nice to see the sort of robust acceptance and, and interest in this headset. And then I'll I'll pass it over to Cecile. She can talk about the HP Reverb G2 OmniSept Edition, uh, which is another amazing and even more award-winning headset <laughs> that, that uh, we've released, released in the past few months. Yeah. So I think, yeah, as you said, Reverb Gen 2 is our mainstream uh, king of clarity and resolution. So the high resolution for people looking for the extreme immersive experience. And to that, we have created the HP Omnicep, which is the perfect, it's a fusion of the future. It's virtual reality, artificial intelligence, sensor of bioanalytic data. So it's, it's really crazy to see what we have done with this and, and what, our, what, what our partner are able to do. So the HP Omnicep, it's an high resolution VR headset to which we included bioanalytic sensor. So you have eye tracking, a pupillometer that is measuring your pupil dilation. You have you're measuring the pulse, and you have a face camera that you're measuring uh, the motion of your mouth, let's say, or your face expressions. And with all that, um, our partners can create user-centric experience. So let's give me give you some example. Um, if you are doing a pilot training in virtual reality, um, you can have a very uh, uh, precise uh, rendering of the pilot of the cockpit and and you can uh, produce simulation of uh, a particular flight and with our headset you can measure real time what is the level of stress of the the pilot um, where does he look so is he looking at the right part he should look or things like that so that that's really making uh, uh, VR entering a new world when you can get insights uh, and you can also adapt the experience. If you want the pilot to be more stressed, you can change. If you feel that he's not stressed enough, based on the measurement, you can change the experience, that type of things. We also have a very um, impressive partners in, in healthcare. They are using all these sensors um, to measure um, uh, mental health. That, that's really something very, I, I really find that 
that was amazing uh, because they're using with the eye tracking and the pupil dilation they used to say that the, the eyes are the, the windows of the brain. And when you get these insights, so you are in VR practicing a, an exercise that was developed by a neurologist. And with the information of the eye tracking and the pupil dilation, they can get information on uh, and doing diagnosis on, on, um, on mental uh, diseases. So that, that's really, really entering the future. So obviously this one is not for gaming, I would say. It's more yeah, for professional usage, uh, healthcare research, things like that. But you see. Although I have seen I have seen people using for Neos VR and some other some other different uh, social VR. So you know, people 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 get it and experiment and try new and interesting things. And we love we love to see the develop, you know, what the developers are doing. Um, with it, that's you know that we, 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 that's one of the most like exciting joys about you know getting to see how developers take this great technology and then build on it. Um, the other exciting thing we can report on that headset, you know, I said I mentioned the Reverb G2 got a lot of awards. That headset got also CES Innovation. They they got the best of the best at the Red Dot, the IF award, and then we just got um, in the last week or two the VR Headset of the Year award at the VR Awards. Um, just two weeks ago for the HP Reverb G2 Omnicept edition. So we're, you know, we're thrilled about that and thrilled to have more and more developers and enterprises get their hands on it and see why it won that, that really exciting best of the best of VR uh, hardware award for this year. Yeah. Congratulations. You know, you, you, when, when Cecil has mentioned the healthcare use cases, you know, it's it's extremely important because one of the previous episodes we had Walter Greenleaf, yeah, who is a superman in healthcare, VR healthcare, and when he revealed how the the tremendous potential of how extended reality can help in healthcare industry, you know, it was it was really a great insight and we were really impressed. It's not about, you know, commercial use. Yeah, commercial use of course it's very important gaming money and things of that nature but it's it's much more beyond the beyond the limits yeah when uh, when all this new wave of technologies have to make us healthier yeah and can attract uh, some disease yeah it's it's cornerstone and the accuracy the quality of the products that you're doing right now when the, the accuracy is cornerstone of that yeah, sure. With the low resolution and yeah, some limits, it doesn't make, make any sense to, to, to do that. Therefore, yeah, yeah Kirill. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm very sorry. The co-working where I was working, uh, the internet was crashed, so I have to go to apartment. Uh, I'm I'm in Lisbon now, so uh, it, it was not a very uh, easy easy way to to find way home. <laughs> Oh, welcome. Welcome to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, then, you know, I suggest to put on hold our business discussion and, uh, yeah, talk about one of the, my favorite questions I always ask, no uh, matter podcast or not. Yeah, tell us a story. How did you love XR? Like how we first fell in love with the VR or XR? Yeah, yeah. How did you, you know, first touch with this industry? And I think it was like a spark. Everyone tells about that. And yeah, 
how did you fall in love in this industry? I'll tell I'll tell my story. So I I first tried the technology in 2014 um, at, at a conference. I was working in at NBC Universal in television, and in our agency invited us to a conference, and then they were showing off new tech like the. Um, the early Oculus prototypes and the Google Glass and, and some other there. And I, and I did a roller coaster. Um, and that was my first VR experience. Like, like many people, it was a roller coaster. Um, but and then over, I, I ended up moving from NBC Universal to a, a tech startup in San Francisco, a sort of focus on impact tech. And while I was there, I worked with a lot of different content creators and, and, and started you know, building content in alt space as well and um, realized that that was what I wanted to do. You know, I, I say that I, I, I then I, I um, got really, you know, got really excited about it and, and started doing what I call my 30 coffees. So I called all these different people who worked in the field and, and you know, in, you know, whether it was at CES or at South by or Sundance, you know, um, kept going to see as much content as I possibly could. And then very soon into those 30 coffees, I got really clear that, okay, this is what I want to do next. It builds on the, my passion for storytelling and creativity on the, on the sort of media side, plus the interest in the innovation on the tech side. Um, and then not that long later, HP calls and here I am. That's my that's my that's my version. It, you know, started with this roller coaster, but then it was that that it really is in the intersection between uh, between the the business, the, the the storytelling, the creativity built on the new innovation that got me super excited. And then, you know, during I would say during those those thirty coffees, it was really the community and the 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 people that work in this industry, not just what's being created, but the the focus, the the people that work in this industry are all. Um, I would say, you know, sort of idealists and dreamers and visionaries about, about, you know, where's the world going? How do we want to create that world? Where are we taking this metaverse? Let's, let's build it. Let's be inclusive about it. Um, and, and all of those conversations got me super excited about it. That was maybe five, six years ago. And then, um, you know, as I, as I, you know, as, as I was having those conversations and then, and then joined, joined HP about four years ago. Yeah, great. Great, thank you. So, so. No, so maybe a bit different. I think it's. Uh, I would look at maybe 20 years ago when I was I was doing my. I have a PhD in physics, which is nothing related to what I'm doing now, and I, <coughs> I, I'm passionate about technology. And and during my PhD, I was using stereoscopy. Yeah, that's the way. So when you're uh, taking different pictures, uh, that's really the the basically the 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 mechanism behind VR is why do, does our brain see 360 when you just have two displays it's because you have a different you see different images and and I was doing that with just basic images and I found that like of magic when just you have two different pictures and makes that your brain believes that it's 360 that that was kind of the crazy things and at that time it was a long time ago I saw this huge and bulky headset that was crazy. <coughs> and I was really, really interested by this technology. And then uh, an HP come up to, to, to this business and I, uh, I was really uh, happy to join because of the love of technology. And then I've, I've met so fabulous people developing immersive experience. And I would say 
the best and the most beautiful experience I've seen is one I, we've done in London with uh, the marshmallow laser face. It was so beautiful. They call it, what was the name? Ocean, Ocean of, of Air. And I really, I think, Ocean of Air. I, I still remember being there and I have this, it's so immersive, so beautiful that, that all what this technology can bring. So that, that really makes me uh, super happy to be in. And, and I really, really passionate about this technology and what it can make. It's a technology that makes, uh, uh, can turn things beautiful and it can make people happy and can make people uh, connecting together and learning better. So it's an, a, a technology that enhances the people. That's what that I love. Creates a superhuman opportunity yeah. to be superhuman or connected and connected human or you know what you know what really drive you know some of bring some of the best elements and accentuate them or augment them as I say. Yeah, I think this industry still can impress people. Yeah, with cases. Yeah, because it, it, it's so hard to impress someone with something these days. Yeah. But uh, this industry and all these uh, technologies can really do that. Aside, I think what is also interesting is that it's it, it can touch the people. So it's about it's also the emotion. It's connecting technology with emotion and feelings <coughs> that make it so powerful. Yeah, you, you have also mentioned very interesting topic, uh, location-based entertainment. Yeah, could you tell us more? What is it? What is it about? The term location-based entertainment just means anywhere that you go outside your home to be entertained. So it's it's a term not not just for virtual reality, but you know, theme parks, cinema, malls, even arcades. You know, are all different form of uh, you know, theater. You know, different forms of location-based entertainment. And prior to the pandemic, you know, certainly there was there was a huge push. From, from these locations to bring virtual reality in, into the location for a couple of reasons. Uh, you know, with the idea that it would you know, increase the revenue per square foot, it would, could potentially drive costs down and then you know, be, bring, that innovation could bring in new or different, different audiences and traffic. Um, and so we've been working for years now with, with uh, players you know, across cruise lines, across malls, across arcades, across theme parks, across cinemas, um, as well as all of the the um, the companies that have been created specifically to bring to, to build location based entertainment experiences, you know, that I'm like I mentioned, you know, from Dreamscape and Zero Latency, VR Studios, you know, um, we've, you know, Dave and Buster's is, is one that has brought VR in um, Park Playground in, in Europe. Vertigo, um, Vax. I mean, there's there's so many that we've that we've been working with. Um, so some of them have pivoted into something else, like Void or Nomadic or spaces that we've worked with in the past. Um, that now are doing doing something different. And so, you know, I'd say during during this time period, uh, you know, back in March of 2020. So so you know, leading in, you know, for the past few years, we, we've had the, we've had three different HP backpacks. Those have been very popular. VR backpacks where you're essentially putting a, a computer on your back and then plugging your, your headset into it and, and getting to have really high graphic fidelity, high resolution, and very immersive experiences. And so we've been working with companies over the years on that. We've we watched them grow really fast and you know scale out their their new businesses. And then when March 2020 came, you know, and the world 
you know, the shutdown overall, uh, you know, I, what we got to, what we observed was that these companies stopped, took a beat. They've been running, 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 scaling, scaling, scaling. They all, you know, they, they thought, stopped and, and thought about, you know, what's our strategy? How are we going to build long-term? Some of them pivoted out of the business. Others of them, you know, honed their focus, changed some of their operational um, plans, of course, to, to be COVID compliant. And then, you know, um, but many of them have, have, you know, just really continued to grow like zero latency, like Sandbox, like Hollowgate. You know, some of them are posting higher numbers than they, like Positron, you know, these, these are um, VR studios. They're all, they're posting higher numbers than they ever did even pre-pandemic. Um, these companies come in some of the companies that we're working with. And, you know, we're really proud to, to see how, you know how smart that they that they were. Dreamscape's another one, and I would say in that in that category that they just continue to scale out, continue to hone their strategy, continue to refine their business model, continue to produce amazing content. I actually just went to Dreamscape's Men in Black this weekend, which was really fun. Uh, and and so, you know that you know, but I, I would what I would say is the the way that that VR brings innovation into location-based entertainment and brings people experiences that they can enjoy with their family and friends. It's many, for many people, it's the way they'll have their first excellent VR experience. Um, and that, you know, where, you know, where we sit now in December, 2021, that's continuing, that's continuing to scale and, and, you know, more and more people are, are, are able to, to try VR this way. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Really interesting. And the, the other thing I would add is that there, there was some really interesting things done using you know at the film festivals and or or even in you know where vr merges with immersive theater um so cecile mentioned before ocean of air experience at sachi in london yeah. which was which was gorgeous you know that team my marshmallow laser feast that team has done a lot of different projects at different film yeah. festivals over years as well as i think they during covid they, they partnered with the royal shakespeare uh company mm -hmm. and so we also are seeing some really interesting ways that that content creators are taking location-based entertainment experiences and then extending them in some cases like into the home. So, you know, we also worked with finding Pandora X during, you know, during the, the lockdown or pandemic, which premiered at Venice, but all of the actors were in their HP reverb headsets and they're, you know, plugged into their HP workstations or the, the, the VR backpacks and acting inside vr chat and you know through through um you know built built out by double i studios and kira benzig and uh you know if a greek mythology play a branching narrative and so audiences could be anywhere around the world as long as they had a headset and access to vr chat and come in and you know that's like the, the this great description of all the world's a stage where the actors were there you know, on stage from wherever they were around the world in their headsets, and then audiences were doing the same. So I think there's a lot of interesting, that's an, to me an interesting extension even beyond location-based entertainment where that location becomes anywhere that the headset is. Yeah, and I think uh, one large uh, uh, usage um, kind of close to this location-based entertainment is uh, the museum and the uh, national heritage that they start they start uh, willing to create immersive experience for the customer that are visiting the museum that is adding additional experiences to just visiting the museum. Um, 
um, even national heritage. I know in London, for example, the, the, the National Science um, um, Museum is 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 doing a, a VR, a virtual reality visit. So you can, for example, you can leave, see you have the dinosaur skeleton, and you can see in VR what it was before. Um, in Paris, we are working in a very great foreign project with, uh, you know, uh, Notre Dame uh, that uh, set in fire uh, two years ago. Uh, there is a large project that they will. They fortunately Ubisoft, the the game company, they did just before the fire. They did um, a, um, a full 3D scan of Notre Dame. So we we have the the CAD file, and uh, we have one of the partners recreating the virtual visit of what it was. And and this would be uh, a new uh, experiment that people can do until it's rebuilt. So th that that's really uh, showing that. Creating this immersive experience, you have limitless opportunities. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's very well correlated with the uh, current generation. Uh, I want to tell you a quick story. Uh, the pre-COVID time, I think in summer of 2019, I suggested to my co-founder to fly to Paris and have some time there. And he said, no, I don't want to. Why? It's a summer, it's a Paris. Let's go, let's fly. He said, No, I can use Google Streets, Google Arts, Google Culture, and see everything on my screen. That's, that's enough for my experience. I do not want to see all that. And I said, uh, uh, it's a completely different generation. You say you said about the 3D model that Ubisoft created um, of the uh, Notre Dame. Uh, I saw this model because I'm a very big fan of the Assassin's Creed. So uh, <laughs> exactly. I think I play for 30 minutes and uh, I this 30 minutes uh, I play only around this uh, uh, 3D model of the Notre Dame. Uh, so uh, it's uh, it, it's amazing. It's a very good quality uh, of the 3D model. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's discuss uh, my favorite topic and such as uh, such a hot topic as the metaverse. So I'm sure you heard that the Facebook or Meta uh, announced that they are entering a new era of the company's development and uh, the metaverse will play a crucial role there. So what were your first thoughts when you heard about this? What were our thoughts when we heard about the face the Facebook name change, or when we first heard about the metaverse as a concept? The metaverse as a concept, as a plan. Well, I mean, we, we we I mean, anyone who's worked in this industry has heard about the metaverse as a concept years and years and years and years before before that name change. So, um, I mean, I, th I think I would say for the industry, it's it's exciting that there's so much focus on the metaverse and sort of reinvigorating deep, deep interest in that intersection of all things, you know, digital, you know, where that uh, digital, digital platforms and, uh, you know, our sort of our digital identities. And, um, you know, HP certainly has been very focused on this for a long time. And well, I, I think for the overall industry, it is good to see so much interest come out of a company's name change, but I think it's it's net super positive for the overall industry. Yeah, I think uh, Kirill means that uh, Facebook also announced that they are hiring uh, near 10,000 developers in extended reality. And when such a huge, you know, juggernaut 
says about that, it could be a game-changing shift. And everyone starts not only talking about that, but thinking how to, you know, how to get this expertise, how to start developing. And all the companies that are working around this industry start to become more focused on that because it's some kind of game-changing way. It's not just a remaining, yeah, but uh, a new trend, a new boom, uh, next level. Yeah, I mean, I think overall it's really, it's great for the industry. You know, it's the industry. So the technology has been around for, for decades. As an industry, we're still in, you know, I would say the first decade of being a real, you know, sort of industry. And, you know, all the, all the investment that's going into it, all the people that are entering the industry, all of the, you know, the content that's being created and continues to be funded and created all is an important part of, of moving this technology forward of, of, you know, continuing to spread the adoption. It's, you know, we're still really, really early in the, the adoption of this tech, you know, as for, for many people. Um, so all, all, you know, we, we, we as a company, me as an individual that believes deeply in this, we, we see all of the, the investment that's coming in and the, the people with great, great skill sets coming into the industry is, is, is huge positive. What do you think about, you know, how metaverse could be developed? I mean, would it be a one huge, the only metaverse when such a huge companies like Microsoft, Facebook, Hewlett Packard has some places? Or would it be the metaverse of Facebook, the metaverse of Microsoft, the metaverse of Google, like ecosystem? Or it would be the one? Mm-hmm. The way that I would look at it is there's one metaverse and then there's you know different experiences that you have within that metaverse. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've read Tony Parisi's like seven rules of the metaverse. His, one of his rules is like, there's only one metaverse. There's no metaverses. So, but I think, you know, I think that there, there's lots of different people that are still defined, you know, defining how this will look for the future. So um, it's including many of us at, at our, at our company at well, it's like how, you know, what's the, but that, that's how I personally look at it. Yeah, I think that that's the beauty of this um, new technology. Today, you have many players. There are many paths. We don't know what would be the final end state. Yeah. Uh, I think, yeah, the, to, to me, yeah, metaverse is just, it's a word to explain the virtual world. And you have different ways to access to it. So we have a lot of opportunities right now. And do you believe that this metaverse, huge metaverse concept, uh, may com- may unite in some fashion these huge companies? Yeah, because as a metaverse, it's a lot about technology and data. I think Facebook would like to play his own rules. Yeah, and you can't play your own rules on you know on another field, on Google field, for instance. And can metaverse unite the big players, or would they be, you know, individual? That's my metaverse. That's my ecosystem. My devices should work there. No unite standards and things of that. Yeah, please, please, you know, play your sandbox. Maybe, yeah, maybe I think we, you know, as a company, we believe in things like OpenXR, you know, interoperability. So that's you know, that's the direction we'd like to see it go. Uh, yes, I want to ask uh, 
one more of my favorite questions. Uh, so many people imagine that the metaverse uh, is a digital and improved copy of the real world. So it's mainly thanks to movies and books. So will their expectations be met? Well, in most of those movies and books, it's actually a dystopia. Um, in most of the movies and books, it's a dystopia where people go to escape the damage that we've done to this, you know, beautiful earth that we that we all have inherited. Um, so I hope those expectations will not be met. I hope that we, um, you know, that that we're accessing the the metaverse that we that we you know access the the metaverse or engage with the metaverse. Probably a better way to say it than um, be, to to augment and improve upon are already great environment and life. It's excellent answer. <laughs> what's, what's the first thing you, Joanna, would like to do when you first come into Metaverse? Well, I would say, well, I mean, I, I would say simultaneously while we're still building a lot of it, but a lot of, um, but, you know, th things like Roblox, things like VR chat, you know, all of us are, they're certainly already considered part of the Metaverse. So, um, you know, I've had amazing experiences with social VR already, you know, I, I just mentioned finding Pandora X, which was a beautiful experience in social VR and having, you know, having the experience of in a pandemic where you can't go to Broadway, you can't go to Venice, um, but we still get to interact with live actors and, you know, win awards at a, at a Venice award show, but, you know, all while wearing pajamas, you know, on our, on our team, when, when the pandemic first started, uh, we, you know, we we immediately moved to to social VR to do these VR hangouts. Um, we even had a retirement party for somebody from our team in in actually also in VR chat. Um, but you know, we've been you know across rec room, across across alt space, across you know many of the different um, big screen. You know, so I I I I think that that, that this is another one of those technologies where. You know, they often say about like the future's here, just not evenly distributed. You know, of course, the all of the future is not here, but we can certainly see glimpses of, of the future. And people like us who are lucky to be in this field and have access to the best, you know, all of the great, the, the best technology right now certainly get to, you know, live our lives in that future in, in many ways already. Yeah, great. Great answer. Cecil, the same question to you. What will be the third thing? you will do in Metaverse? Uh, yeah, I think the, the question is complex for us because to me, we are in Metaverse for many years, as you said, Jonah, it's nothing new. So it, I, I don't consider what would be the first thing I'm doing in Metaverse because I feel that I have been in Metaverse already so many times. So I think prob probably the, the good thing of Facebook changing name is that it makes this word popular mm -hmm. and known. Mm -hmm. So that makes that people start thinking, what would be the first thing I would do in Metaverse? <coughs> so um, when I think to me, back again to what the experience I shared previously, what I really uh, appreciate is that this, this emotional connection you can have with the story being telling in immersive content. So to me, let's imagine I have never done VR before or Metaverse before. The first thing I would do is, is uh, an artistic, uh, uh, immersion uh, to to feel the experience that the artists want to create. Yeah. That's what I think it's the most impressive and the most connective. There's another project that I had worked on on, on a personal basis called Brianna's Garden, 
which is created by Lady Phoenix and Sue Tu in collaboration with Brianna Taylor's family, Janiah Palmer and, and Tamika Palmer. Um, for anyone who doesn't know, Brianna Palmer was was killed with, in a mistaken raid um, where um, the police went went to the wrong house, and so we and, and that that created you know sparked a um, a movement in the United States last last summer um, around Black Lives Matter and 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 justice, and so in so so working with with that team and and. Um, and, and MetaStage and and Microsoft and IJAC and Unity and a number, number of um, other groups, there was a, a, an experience created called Brianna's Garden, which honors her life. And part of it is um, a volumetric capture of Janiah Palmer, who's her sister. And then there's a Unity wow. representation of, of Brianna and people are able to leave messages uh, for the family, play messages for, for Brianna or anyone that they lost in their life. And so, um, that that project premiered at Tribeca. It just it just it was at the Wine Film Festival. It just it just went to uh, Art Basel with Filmgate Interactive and has won a number of social impact awards from the Aggies, um, AWE, and and at Filmgate. And that to me that project uh, is important because of impact and healing for the family and others. But it's it's also an interesting conversation around metaverse, where you have a representation of somebody who's no longer with us, you know, together with her her sister, um, and we know, you know, that somebody like Prince, you know, has has said in the past that he never wanted to be represented like in a holographic state, um, but in in this case, in this family, that you know, we we've, we've done a number of panels with them, and in one of them, they they said that they feel like they get to be with their sister again you know, or be with their, their daughter or partner again. Um, and that to me is a really interesting conversation around the meta, the metaverse and what it can provide around, you know, connect, connection um, and, and, and healing for people. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Joanna, for mentioning that. It's, it's, it's really very important. You know, unfortunately, yeah, most of us have not such uh, cases and yeah it's you, you know when apple released that they come back with the digital legacy access when after that you can ex have an access to some parts of the content and information yeah it's i, I do believe it's very important uh, yeah metaverse or other projections if they can reuse that and try to build try to design something with that it could be yeah it, it could be useful it could be impactful as you said yeah yeah thanks for mentioning yeah it's, that project's such a pleasure pleasure to work on and i feel really lucky to be to be part of it and it, you know it's had such an impact already and it's actually it's available if you have google play or apple store you know we we, we at the different festivals we've built out these beautiful installations with gardens um, but you can actually access it anywhere on your on your phone, and you know, we recommend going into nature to experience it. And, and we invite you to leave a message as well for the family or anyone that you may have lost in in your lives as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, I even know some cases that use machine learning and neural network, where which you can feed the messages of someone he learned on all this data and then it's a bot created with whom you can talk 
and he will be very natural. Mm-hmm. Yeah, using all the styles, chords, and emotions that data has, and it's like a, a digital, you know, digital duplicate uh, of the person, and it could be yeah, really impactful as well. Definitely, all these can be combined. Yeah, and yeah, it it, it can really be very. Valuable. Yeah, I think it's 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 a good uh, it's it's a good uh, time to wrap up. Really great topic to think about that. Yeah, at the beginning of the day, <laughs> and yeah, I think yeah, I'm good. Thank you for inviting us. It was a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah, you. So I I will send you a couple of videos from the product and also some. Uh, use case example of um, our sure, partners sure. you can you can you can use them thank you thank you for a great conversation yeah thank you for the time take care